Is it my imagination? Or is this another episode of Short Stories, a production of adventuresinaudio.net? I'm Robert Cranmer, and it's not my imagination, this is Short Stories, where we hear stories of horror, the macabre, and related genres. I hope you are well and have lots of friends and all is peaceful. However, we do try to disturb you on this podcast. And we have a feature story that can do just that. But first, as you may know, we have listener participation features. We have one that we invite you to be a part of, and that is our listener nightmare element, where you, the valued listener, send in your nightmare. And I read it on the show. We have had some outstanding submissions, and you are welcome to submit yours. Just send it to myhorribledream at gmail.com. I know dreams can sometimes be a difficult thing to express and even remember, but just do your best. Don't worry about being a skilled writer. Just tell us what was scary about it and anything you would like to add. I also came up with another listener participation idea called Fill in the Blanks. But nobody wanted to play, and that's okay. This is what I call a nope podcast. That is a non-obligatory podcast experience. <laughs> Just something I made up. Anyway, uh, so if you don't want to play fill in the blanks, that's okay. My tears will dry. That's a lyric from a song. I can't remember which. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Run to Him by Bobby V. Way back in the 60s. My tears will dry. Okay, I won't do a karaoke thing here. Um, and I'm not trying to apply any pressure. It's just that I had another idea for a fill in the blank. I get a dream, nothing scary, just a run-of-the-mill dream. I was in my car, and I pulled into a parking lot, and I found a, a parking space away from the rest of the cars. So now, fill in the blank. Well, here's my fill in the blank for this scenario. A big pickup truck parked in front of my car, and then another truck, just like it, pulled in beside me on the right, and another on the left, and one pulled in behind me. I was trapped and saw the door open on the truck in front of me, and a creature stepped out and closed the door. This ominous thing was not human. So now it's your turn to fill in the blank. That was my fill in the blank. You park your car in a parking lot and then what? Make this little innocuous dream a nightmare and send it to myhorribledream at gmail.com. And now for our feature story. What if an all-powerful God appeared that was not friendly 
and disrupted our lives in an evil and wretched way. I hope you enjoy Nyarlathotep by H.P. Lovecraft. Nyarlathotep, The Crawling Chaos. I am the last, and I will tell the audience void. I do not recall distinctly when it began. But it was months ago. The general tension was horrible. To a season of political and social upheaval was added a strange and brooding apprehension of hideous physical danger. A danger widespread and all-embracing. Such a danger as may be imagined only in the most terrible phantasms of the night. I recall that the people went about with pale and worried faces, and whispering warnings of prophecies which no one dared consciously repeat or acknowledge to himself that he had heard. A sense of monstrous guilt was upon the land, and out of the abysses between the stars swept chill currents that made men shiver in dark and lonely places. There was a demoniac alteration in the sequence of the seasons. The autumn heat lingered fearsomely, and everyone felt that the world, and perhaps the universe, had passed from the control of known gods or forces to that of gods or forces which were unknown. And it was then that Nehorlathotep came out of Egypt. Who he was, none could tell. But he was of old native blood and looked like a pharaoh. The Pelahin knelt when they saw him, yet could not say why. He said he had risen up out of the blackness of twenty-seven centuries, and that he had heard messages from places not on this planet. Into the lands of civilization came Nyarlathotep, swarthy, slender, and sinister, always buying strange instruments of glass and metal and combining them into instruments yet stranger. He spoke much of sciences, of electricity, and psychology, and gave exhibitions of power, which sent his spectators away speechless, yet swelled his fame to exceeding magnitude. Men advised one another to see Narolanthrotip and shuddered, and where Narolanthrotip went, rest vanished, for small hours were rent with screams of nightmare. Never before had the screams of nightmare been such a public problem. Now the wise men almost wished they could forbid sleep in the small hours, that the shrieks of cities might less horribly disturb the pale, pitying moon as it glimmered on green waters gliding under bridges and the old steeples crumbling against a sickly sky. I remember when Narolanthrotip came to my city, the great, the old, the terrible city of unnumbered crimes. My friend had told me of him, and of the impelling fascination and allurement of his revelations, and I burned with eagerness to explore his uttermost mysteries. My friend said they were horrible, and impressive beyond my most fevered imaginings, 
that was thrown on a screen in the darkened room prophesized things none, but Nyrolanthotip dared prophesize, and that in the sputter of his sparks there was taken from men that which had never been taken before, yet which showed only in the eyes. And I heard it hinted abroad that those who knew Nyrolanthotip looked on sights which others saw not. It was in the hot autumn that I went through the night with the restless crowds to see Nyrolanthotip, through the stifling night and up the endless stairs into the choking room. And shadowed on a screen, I saw hooded forms amidst ruins, and yellow evil faces peering from behind fallen monuments. And I saw the world battling against blackness, against the waves of destruction from ultimate space, whirling, churning, struggling around the dimming, cooling sun. Then the sparks played amazingly around the heads of the spectators, and the hair stood up on end while shadows more grotesque than I can tell came out and squatted on the heads. And when I, who was colder and more scientific than the rest, mumbled a trembling protest about imposture and static electricity, my Rolanthrotep drove us all out, down the dizzy stairs into the damp, hot, deserted midnight streets. I screamed aloud that I was not afraid, that I never could be afraid, and others screamed with me for solace. We swore to one another that the city was exactly the same and still alive, and when the electric lights began to fade, we cursed the company over and over again and laughed at the queer faces we made. I believe we felt something coming down from the greenish moon, for when we began to depend on its light, we drifted into curious involuntary formations and seemed to know our destinations, though we dared not think of them. Once we looked at the pavement and found the blocks loose and displaced by grass, with a scarce line of rusted metal to show where the tramways had run, and again we saw a tramcar, lone, windowless, dilapidated, and almost on its side. When we gazed around the horizon, we could not find the third tower by the river, and noticed that the silhouette of the second tower was ragged at the top. Then we split up into narrow columns, each of which seemed drawn in a different direction. One disappeared in a narrow alley to the left, leaving only the echo of a shocking moan. Another filed down a weed-choked subway entrance, howling with laughter that was mad. My own column was sucked toward the open country and presently felt a chill which was not of the hot autumn, for as we stalked out on the dark moor, we beheld around us the hellish moon glitter of evil snows. Trackless, inexplicable snows swept asunder in one direction only, where lay a gulf all the blacker for its glittering walls. The column seemed very thin, indeed, as it plodded dreamily into the gulf. I lingered behind, for the black rift in the green-litten snow was frightful, 
and I thought I had heard the reverberations of a disquieting wail as my companions vanished. But my power to linger was slight. As if beckoned by those who had gone before me, I floated between the titanic snowdrifts, quivering and afraid into the sightless vortex of the unimaginable. Seemingly sentient, dumbly delirious, only the gods that were can tell. A sickened, sensitive shadow writhing in hands that are not hands, and whirled blindly past ghastly midnights of rotting creation, corpses of dead worlds with sores that were cities, charnel winds that brush the pallid stars and make them flicker low. Beyond the world's vague ghost of monstrous things, half-seen columns of unsanctified temples that rest on the nameless rocks beneath the space and reach up to dizzy vacua above the spheres of light and darkness. And through this revolting graveyard of the universe, the muffled, maddening beating of drums and thin, monotonous whine of blasphemous flutes from the inconceivable unlighted chambers beyond time, the detestable pounding and piping whereunto dance slowly, awkwardly and absurdly the gigantic tenebrous ultimate gods, the blind, voiceless, mindless gargoyles whose soul is Nair Lanthrotip. You've been listening to Nair Lanthrican by H.P. Lovecraft. Ancient Chinese philosopher Lao Tzu once said, If you are depressed, you are living in the past. If you are anxious, you are living in the future. If you are at peace, you are living in the present. I've enjoyed being with you on this episode and hope to be with you again soon. Please take care and thank you for listening to me.